I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, good evening. As we get started, let me open us up in prayer, and then we'll get in our study tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time to come together and study your word, and Lord, just pray as we turn our attention to demons tonight, Lord, our, our one of our enemies in this world. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, give us understanding of what they are, Lord, so that we might better defend ourselves from them. So, Lord, just pray that you would be with us. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Everybody got a handout? All right. Well, we've been talking about angels on Wednesday nights. And uh, so we, we've covered what angels are, what they do. And last week we looked at uh, the, the great angel, the angel of the Lord. And so tonight we turn the page and we kind of look at demons. So those fallen angels. Now, when we think about demons, uh-oh. when we think about demons, uh, we, we often think about ugly creatures, right? We often have this picture in our mind, and, and that might be what we have in mind when we think about demons, something ugly, maybe red with horns and a tail and all of these things. And so this is what is typically portrayed in art and that sort of thing. But is this what ain't, uh, what demons really look like? We're going to see, right? We're, we're going to think about that more tonight. When we think about demons, we were, tonight we're looking at what demons are. What demons are. Next week, well, no, ne- not next week. Next week, Rodney's going to be here, and he's going to have a lesson for you because Marybeth and I are going to be out on our anniversary trip. So we're leaving out Sunday after church. We're going on our little trip. So Rodney has agreed to fill in next week, so uh, he'll have something for you. But then after that, that week after Rodney teaches, then we'll come back and we'll talk about what demons do and so what they do and and how do we defend ourselves against demons. So we'll talk about that a couple weeks from now. But tonight we're we're focusing on what demons are. And so first we're going to Consider four ways that demons are like angels because, right, they're fallen angels. So they're, they're going to have some similarities. So first, I'm going to talk about four ways that demons are like angels. And some of this is going to be review because we've already talked about what angels are like. But we'll kind of fill in some, some details with the demons. And then we'll turn to four ways demons are different from angels. So four ways that they are different because there are some differences now. So we'll we'll look at those tonight. So let us begin then with four ways that uh, demons are like angels. Four ways. Oh, forgot the definition. Let's talk about the definition. So here's our definition of demons. Demons are real spiritual beings who sin against God and who continue to work evil in the world. Demons are real spiritual beings who sinned against God and who continue to work evil, that's real evil, right, in the world. Uh, I want to emphasize real spiritual beings because in our society, in our culture, in secular society, uh, they kind of downplay demons. 
Like they downplay angels, they downplay demons, and demon, the, demons don't really exist. The supernatural doesn't really exist. Demons are just a personification of, of evil in the world, and so they downplay it. But, but we understand that demons are real. They are real spiritual beings who sin against God and who continue to work real evil in this fallen world. So uh, let's see what they are like tonight. So now beginning with what they are, how they are like angels. Like angels, demons are, of course, created beings. They are created beings. Uh, we, we should understand that. But Psalm 148. One through two says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his host. And then you go down to verse five, it says, let them, that is the heavenly host, praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. And so uh, like angels, demons were created. Now, when were demons created? Anybody? When were demons created? Same time the angels were. And when were angels created? <laughs> Sometime within the six days of creation, right? It doesn't specify when they were created. It doesn't talk about the heavenly host being created, but uh, God created. We see the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. And in the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes down through the six days of creation. And somewhere in there, uh, the angels were created. So uh, demons are created beings. They are created beings. Second, they are spiritual beings. They are spiritual beings. It's like angels. They're spiritual beings. They're no physical body, but take on physical forms from time to time. And as we'll talk about next week, uh, they may possess people and other animals from time to time. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. They, that also means that they do not marry or procreate. And so Genesis chapter 4, is it 4? I think it's chapter 4. Uh, when the, oh, yeah, I have it down here. So um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, does not record the fall of angels. Some people say that that was a, another fall of some some more of the heavenly host. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through, through 2 says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of man, and were attract, that they were attractive, and uh, they took as their wives any they chose. And so there's some who believe that text is talking about a, another fall uh, of angels. And so some of God's angels, being the sons of God, they married the, the daughters of men. They married human wives. But that cannot be since angels aren't like human beings. They don't have physical bodies. They don't marry. They don't pro procreate. Uh, so uh, that can't be. And we've already talked about it. I believe that the sons of God is referring to the line of Seth, the chosen line, and the daughters of, of man is more pointing towards the other humans, those who were born to, to Cain. So uh, that's, that's that. So they're spiritual beings, and they don't have physical bodies like we do, but they can take on human form, physical form, 
They can possess, as we see in the New Testament, they can possess people and even animals, other animals. So they are spiritual beings. Number three, they are moral beings. They are moral beings. Demons are moral beings who made moral judgments and are responsible for their actions. So again, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So they, they sinned. They, they, they had the choice, and they chose to sin against God. And so they are moral beings who are held responsible for their actions and their decisions. So they're moral beings. Number four, of course, they are an intelligent beings. They are intelligent beings. They're highly intelligent. Uh, they're just like the, the angels. They're highly intelligent, they, and they've been observing humans for millennia. And but we understand that they're not omniscient, so they're highly intelligent. They've got a lot of knowledge that they've collected over years and years and thousands and thousands of years. But they are not omniscient. Now we think about that, and some people will say, "Well, well, aren't they involved in fortune telling?" And if they're not omniscient, then and then how how can they tell fortune tellers what to say, right? If they're not omniscient, if they can't read people's mind, how, how can they inform? Well, because they're highly intelligent. They're highly intelligent. And, and yes, when we talk about fortune tellers, uh, of course, some of the fortune tellers are just, they're con people, right? They're, they're con men, con people who are conning people out of their money. Uh, I don't know, have you ever watched The Mentalist? Uh, the Mentalist, I, I, I like that show, but The Mentalist was, uh, he was a, a former fortune teller, a former psychic, and uh, then he came out and he said, no, I was just conning people out of their money, and, and he began to, to demonstrate how he did that. And, and so there's a lot of people out there who kind of do that. They can read people, right? They can read people, and they can ask enough questions and make enough uh, intelligent uh, guesses that uh, they can fool people into thinking that they know more than they know about them. And so there are those con men, con women out there who, who do this type of thing. But, but I believe that, yes, some of them, uh, they do speak to spirits, but the spirits that they speak to are demonic spirits. There are demons who are out there guiding them. Uh, we have to say that that's the truth, because well, Scripture records such things. And so some of them do listen to spirits, but they are demonic spirits. And so how do these demonic spirits know things that nobody else should know but you? Well, because they can't observe you, right? They can watch you. They see what you do in private, just like the angels can see what you do in private. They can see what you do in private. And they, they observe human nature and they, they can make educated guesses because they've been such great observers of, of humans and human nature for millennia. And so, I mean, as a pastor, as a pastor, I've, I've gotten to, to know human nature, to know people, 
and I learn how to read people from time to time. And I can almost tell you uh, a lot of times I can read a person and kind of tell what they're going through. I can tell if they're happy. I can tell if they're sad. I can tell if they're going through something. I can tell if they're they're living in sin because of the way that they act. Now, I may not know all the details, uh, but I can do that because I've been a, an observer of human behavior for so long. Well, think about demons. They've been observing people for so, so long. Uh, they can read people very well. And, and so how can they know things that it seems like nobody should know? Well, they can observe and they can, they're very highly intelligent and can make some very good educated guesses on uh, according to people's behavior. So they are highly intelligent beings. So they are Created beings, just like angels, demons are created beings, they're spiritual beings, they're moral beings, and they're highly intelligent beings. So uh, that means that they are a formidable foe, right? These are formidable foes that we are fighting against in the world who are ganging up on us and wanting, like Satan himself, uh, the prince of demons. They, they want to destroy us. They want to destroy our walk with Christ. And so... We need to understand how powerful and how formidable of a foe that they truly are. Now, are the questions on this part as to how they are like angels? Anything? Created. Huh? They were created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Were they given a free will? Yes. That, yes. Yes. Yeah, they are free moral agents, right? So they uh, they have the ability to make decisions, just like human beings. We're free moral agents, and so we we have choices before us, and, and we can choose to do good or choose to do evil. Uh, and so they had the choice to choose to do good, to follow God and his will, or to sin against God and go their own way. So, yes, they are free moral agents. They're not like robots, but they are, they are free moral agents. We can make. Uh, I believe they do have some access to heaven right now. Yeah, because we do see, of course, in Job, and, and there's another text in Second Kings, and we'll look at that probably our, our next time. But we, we do see demons there in the throne room of God getting permission to do things like Satan. Satan goes to him and says, hey, what about this Job guy? Uh, and, and he gets permission to do from God to do what he does to Job. So I, I think they, they can go to heaven, the present heaven right now, right? Uh, they can go in the presence of God and, and get permission to do some things, but that's not their home. Right? They're, they're expelled from heaven. So that's not their home anymore. Their home is in hell, but uh, they can go visit. Uh, no, uh, there's, there is no redemption uh, for demons. So there's where, where we, God has provided redemption for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He has not provided a path for redemption 
for the demons. The once fallen, they are forever fallen. Are they angels? Yes. So they were created as angels. Yeah. So God didn't create them as demons. <laughs> he created them as good angels. Uh, and, and then there was a, a fall where, where we think of the fall as Adam and Eve. There was before that, and uh, I think we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, yes, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But uh, that they did fall. They chose to rebel against God. So, Yes. They are watching what we do. Yes. Yes, they're not omniscient, but but they can observe. They're around us. Yes, angels minister to believers. Council that God calls for these angels who are ministering to. Hebrews mm-hmm. are reporting on their activities. Yes. They, even though we don't have personal guardian angels, they are constantly watching us. Yes. Yeah, angels are observing us all the time. Yes. They, they can do nothing outside of God's permission. Right, because God's sovereign, uh, he, he governs even the, the demons. Satan does nothing without God's okay. They, you know, if they see that something bad is about to happen to us, they can't rush to our aid. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you could say that too. I mean, God governs the angels and the demons, and uh, of course, God is, is for us, and so. And he created them to to aid us and to help us along the journey. But, you know, yes, think about Job. God withheld some protection there. He pulled back some of the protection to allow those things to happen to Job. So, um, yeah, very good. Good question. All right. So that's how they are like angels. Let's talk about now how they are unlike angels. So unlike angels, uh, demons are, first of all, rebellious beings, rebellious beings. And, and here's where we're getting to what Mark was bringing up a while ago. Uh, they, they, they were created good. Right? They were created good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we see... It reads, and God saw everything that he had made. So he thought of all creation, created the heavens and the earth, and he looked out that all that was created, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So the last day of creation, God looked at the heavens and the earth. He looked at man, 
He looked at his heavenly host and he said, it's very good. It's perfect. It's perfect. No sin, no corruption, no evil in the world. Everything was perfect. So when did the angels fall? Well, uh, at least there was uh, some of them at least fell somewhere between Genesis, the end of Genesis chapter one uh, and the, the beginning of Genesis chapter three. Because we see in Genesis chapter three, Satan show up and we'll talk about him and his fall. But but we see uh, Satan show up and he is tempting man to sin against God. So we don't know the time. Scripture doesn't tell us the time. But at some point in time, we know Satan chose to rebel against God and go his own way. And we'll talk about what that looks like when we get to Satan himself. We're going to spend one lesson on Satan and talk about him. But uh, then he brought some of the heavenly hosts with him in his rebellion. And some people estimate that there were more than one rebellions. Uh, I, I was reading somewhere this week, and I didn't get finished with reading it, but uh, one author that I was reading estimated that there was at least three falls of, of angels in, in history, in, in Scripture. So uh, I'll, I'll try to read up on that more and, and tell you when he believes those are. But uh, we know that between Genesis chapter 1, the end of that, when God said, it's very good, everything's very good, and the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, somewhere in there, and, and who knows how much history took place between the end of Genesis 1 and the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. We, we read it, and it's all like that, but it, it could have been a, a good space of time that took place between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. We don't know, but somewhere in that time period, we know Satan rebelled against God, and he brought with him other heavenly hosts. Jude chapter 6, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he is kept, that is, God is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. So they rebelled against God and went their own way. So demons were created, good angels, but they decided to rebel against God and to do their own thing. So uh, they are rebellious beings. Any questions about that? We'll get to that in just a minute. <laughs> Hold that thought. <laughs> We're going to talk about them being bound in, in just a moment. That actually, the next point. Any questions on the re they're being rebellious beings? All right. Second, they're bound beings. They're bound beings to Rodney's point, which means, I think it means that at the very least, it can mean more than this, but at the very least, it means that they are limited in supernatural power. They are limited in supernatural power. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.4 says, uh, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And then again, Jude 6 and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness. Now, what does it mean then that, that Satan and his demons, uh, they still operate in the world? We know that. We see that in Scripture. 
We see Satan loose and about, and he's going around, and he's doing his thing. We see his demons, his demonic soldiers, they're, they're out and about in the world. They're doing evil for Satan. So how is it that they're bound in chains, yet at the same time they're out and about doing evil in the world? Well, I think at least part of what it means that they were bound is now that they are at least limited in power. Now, that's kind of a, a, a recant of what I said a couple of weeks ago, right? because I said a question was asked about demons being as powerful as angels. And I said, well, as far as I can tell, they must be as powerful as angels. But uh, there's the, the nature of studying, right? You study things, and the deeper you get into it, the more you learn. Well, here's a, an example of me getting smarter, <laughs> learning more as I dig into it, as I've been digging into this this week and focusing on demons. Uh, when it says that they are bound, I think that at the very least means that they are bound in their power. Uh, they don't have the power that they once had. God chose to bind their power. Now, they're still supernatural beings. They're still wonderfully powerful. They're powerful, powerful beings, far more powerful than, than humans. But their power has been bound because they have sinned against God. They are limited. They are far more limited in what they do and how they do because of their sin against God. Uh, there, there must be a limit in power. Uh, they've been cast to hell because hell is their home. And we'll talk about present hell on Sunday mornings here a few weeks from now. But, uh, but they're cast in hell. That means they've been cast out of heaven. Heaven was their home, but they've been cast out. That's not their home anymore. They can go visit, but, but they can't stay there. Uh, that's not their home anymore. Hell is now their home. And when they come out, and they do come out, they come and they do things in earth. But hell is their home. Hell is their home. Hell is where they would lay their head, if we might think of it in that way. Uh, even though they, they probably don't sleep, uh, but uh, we, we might think of it, analogy here, they they'll lay, lay their head in hell, right? That's their home. Uh, heaven's not their home anymore. So they're, they're bound to hell. They're thrown into hell. Hell is their home. They still walk about. But God has bound them in chains. He has bound their power. He has bound their ability to do whatever. Uh, there, there's some kind of restraint on them. As Christ, we know also when he died on the cross, he, he bound Satan uh, in greater ways. Yet Satan is still in the world. And so there was a, a greater limit to Satan's power, even through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I believe that's what it means when it says he committed them to chains. He uh, kept them in chains. He has bound them in power, bound them in different ways. Now, questions on that? I'll try to answer them. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, that's not a, a, all that it means. Now, Revelation seems to indicate, we get there, Revelation does seem to indicate that there are some 
that are perhaps bound literally in hell and, and unable to get out because it says that they're loosed. Uh, so, so there may be some who are bound there and, and not able, not permitted to, to leave out. But when we look at Satan and his operation in the world, when we look at other demons and their operation in the world, scripture recording the, the, their operation in the world, and we have to say it can't mean that they're limited to the, the gates of hell, right? We, we can't say that they're just bound in hell, unable to get out because we see their presence. We see them working in the world or working evil in the world. So it, it must be. I kind of thought about this. You know, you see these dogs on these retractable leashes. Uh, it, it's kind of like that. They're on that retractable leash and, and God allows them to get so far and they... He, he shuts them down. Uh, I think maybe that's kind of how, it, if we're kind of just trying to get a, a picture in our head, it might be something like that. God's got them chained. Right? He's got the chain on. He doesn't just let them run loose. He's got the chain on, and he allows them to do a certain amount, but no further, just like Satan and Job. All right, Satan. You want to do that to Job? All right, well, here's what you can do, but no more. That's the limit. Satan is bound. God has bound him. He allows him to do some things, but, but he's bound. Uh, later on, he comes back. Well, now, now, if you just stretch out your hand against Job, you make him sick, give him all these sores, then he'll curse you. All right, Satan. I'm going to let out a little, I'm going to loosen the chain a little bit more. I'm going to give you a little more slack, but only this far, no more. Satan is bound. God has bound him. And so they are bound in power. They're bound in, in what they can do by the sovereignty of God. Okay? I've been accused against But I mean, if you say demons are bound, I mean, they have to ask permission and be okay. Well, don't you think angels have to do that too? They don't just go and have get to do whatever they want to, to either. So, in a sense, in that sense, would angels not be bound to? They angels willingly submit to the sovereignty of God, though, and so I think there there is a difference there. Uh, going and it's uh, a right uh, as we we've, we've talked about. The angels, you know, they they move forward straight ahead. They don't vary from left to right, but they're they're out to do God's will, and so there's freedom in that, right? There's there's liberty in that. Uh, when we talk about Christians being free in Christ, we're free to follow His will, and there is freedom in being able to follow the the will of Jesus Christ when that's what we want to do. That's our desire. And so uh, there, there is a difference there. Uh, yeah, hey, they're, they're within the bounds of God's sovereign will, but that's where they want to be. Satan, he, he wants to break loose. He wants to dethrone God. He wants to be outside of, of God's limits, but God says, so no. They're not like, okay, just purchase this me a car wreck. I got to go get them. You know, they're, <laughs> no. They're submissive. They're just, they're not, they're out just doing God's will. So God's given them orders. Here's what you're to do. He's given them their orders and they're out doing it. They're following his will, 
happy in his will uh, to do everything that God has set in their heart to do. So, uh, yes, I think there is a big difference there. Other questions? All right. So they're rebellious beings, they're bound beings, and they're disorderly beings. They're disorderly beings. Now, uh, good angels, we talked about good angels being highly organized. Demons are disorderly beings. Now, I'm not saying that, I don't want to think that they're just slobs, right? Uh, that, that's, that's really not what I'm getting at, but it kind of gets to the point. Uh, there, there does seem to be some hierarchy among demons because Satan is the prince of demons. So he's at least the chief demon. And so there may be some hierarchy with, within the, the demon structure there. But uh, as, as Jude 6 states, demons did not stay within their own position of authority. Right? They broke rank. As God is a, a God of, of order, Satan and his demons are agents of chaos. They are disorderly beings. That's what they do in the world. God created everything in order. It was very good. Now, Satan and his demons, they want to cause disorder. They want to cause chaos in the world. And so uh, that's why I say they are disorderly beings. They, they want to overcome all the order that God has put in the world. That's why there, there's just so much confusion in the world about this thing and that thing. It, it's all in the, the mind set the, the thought patterns of the demonic forces going against God's created order and bringing chaos into the world. So they are disorderly beings. There, there may be rank within the demon structure, but I wanted to bring it out that they are agents of chaos. They are agents of, of disorder. They broke rank, as Jude 6 says. They did not stay within their own position of authority. They didn't stay in that level, that position that God put them in. They broke rank and went their own way. Questions about them being disorderly beings. All right, number four, they are obviously deceptive beings. They are deceptive beings. Paul speaks of, of false teachers, he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13 through 15. He says, for such men, the false teachers, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So they are deceptive beings. They are deceptive beings. They prayed around like angels of light. They make you think that uh, they're on the right side. Right? They, they, they present themselves as angels of light with just a, a little bit of deception. Just a little bit of deception. Satan said, did God really say? 
Did God really say, right? Just, just, here's this angel of light just bringing in this little question. Did God really say? They parade as angels of light to bring in the smallest deception. We think about this. Here's what we think about demons, right? They're ugly. They're vile. They're scary. We don't want to be around them. And they love that image. They love that picture. That's why they want us to think of them. They want us to think that they're scary creatures, but really what they appear is more like that. They appear as angels of light. Oh, they're beautiful. They're splendid. They're attractive. They draw us in and lead us astray. They are deceptive. They are deceptive. Uh, They are the great deceivers of the world. So that's what I want us to understand tonight. Demons are real spiritual beings who sin against God and who continue to work evil in the world. And they draw us away. They draw us away. They're not like that, the ugly thing that we're scared of. They're that beautiful thing that draws us away from the Lord, little by little, step by step, living a lie. So, questions now. It doesn't. uh, It never gives us an absolute picture. When we talk about Satan, there are some prophetic texts that seem to point to him. It doesn't state that they're they're, they're Satan all out, but uh, and we'll talk about those when we get to to Satan. But it, it does paint him as a beautiful cherub angel. Uh, and so we, we see that, at least that description. Like he's splendid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was. Satan is not the little horned devil with the pointed tail. Satan is a beautiful creature. He's a beautiful angel of the Lord that has fallen away from God. Now this is this picture is their inside, right? That that's their heart, but that's what they present themselves at. So when we're fighting these demonic enemies, they're not coming at us like that. They're coming at us like that because they just want us to lead astray little by little by little until we're in so deep that we don't know what to do. Even in the garden, people say the serpent see me. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the snake. Probably this is before the fall. So. Right. Probably a beautiful creature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Find the evil. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. When when people say 
someone is demons assessed. Yes, ma'am. And then they say they're going to put the demons out of them or whatever. Uh, that mean that they're just completely controlled. Then we'll talk about that next time, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, it does seem, we see it, do see in scripture, uh, like the, the demonic garrison, he was controlled by those demons who possessed him. And so uh, it does seem that they can possess in that way. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. I mean, I've always thought of being one fall. Uh, this other scholar that I've, I've read, he, he seems to think that there were three falls. I don't think there's would be any more today, but there's nothing to say that there, there's not. Uh, at, at this point, they know the end. Just like for us, it's it's been revealed that what they know Satan's gonna he's lost, uh, and they know the the destiny of all of those rebellious angels. So I would think that would uh, even be a, a greater deterrent from rebelling against God if they needed any more deterrent, but. Scripture is just not clear on that. So they never die. No, they never die. They're eternal beings. They, at least they, they were created, so they they have a beginning, but uh, they are eternal in that sense that they will never die. Other questions. All right. And you might cover this, right? Angels not clicking the full time. Okay. They didn't do it. We as humans were created a little lower than the angels. If we are resurrected, will we be elevated above the angels? Scripture, the New Testament tells us that we will judge angels. So yes, uh, Scripture tells us that we will actually rule over angels. So we have been created a little, little lower than the angels, mostly in due to power. Uh, they are they are mightier than we. They have supernatural power, uh, and so we are created a little lower than the angels. But after. The new heavens and the new earth will actually govern angels. I do. Lost my glasses. <laughs> I left my glasses, but that's all right. I can get far enough away.
what was the verses? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, 11 through 23 there through the, the rest of that chapter. Uh, the the judgment against the, the lament over the king of, of Tyre. And so when you start reading this, you are the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamonds, beryl, uh, Onyx and jasper, sapphire, emerald and uh, carbuncle, and the crafted and crafted in gold were your settings and your engraving. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst to consume you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. And so obviously that's not talking about a human king. At this point, the beginning, it's about a human king, the king of Tyre. But as he gets here now, Ezekiel transitions. And now there was no human king in the Garden of Eden. This is talking about an angelic being. And so that's why most people would say that this is a, an actually a prophecy <laughs> telling about the fall of Satan, which we'll get into when we talk about Satan in a few weeks from now. So no questions on that one just yet. We'll talk about it later. But you can kind of dig into it between now and then. <laughs> Other questions or comments? There's another text in Isaiah too that uh, does the same thing, but I forgot what it is off the top of my head. So but I'll, we'll cover it when we talk about Satan. That's it, 14, 12, yeah. Isaiah 14, 12. Y'all want to look at that? Study ahead. Uh, 
Well, next week Rodney's teaching, so you're good. <laughs> and then the next week we'll be talking about what demons do. And we'll get into kind of possessions and that sort of thing. And then after that, we'll get into the prince of demons. So three weeks from now. Yeah, that's made me wonder. That's made me wonder. Yeah, yeah. No. No. Uh, of course, we don't have a count. We know there's multitudes of multitudes of heavenly hosts of angels. And the only thing that gives us any kind of indication is in Revelation. It says that when Satan fell, he took a third of the angelic host with him. Uh, but is that an exact third? Which we don't have an exact number on the angels either. So there's a bunch of them. But the angels, the good angels, outnumber the demons. That's right. Other questions? seems to indicate that there's some struggle going on there. Uh, but then again, we, we also see the demons coming into the throne room of God. So how does that all play out? I, I don't know. Scripture is not, not clear on that. We, we know that Michael and Gabriel, they indicate that they're struggling against demons. Then in heaven we see Satan and another demon, at least one other demon, coming into the council of God. And and so they're there in heaven doing something. So how that how does that war, warfare look? That's beyond our ability to know. Okay. <laughs> Yes. During that time that he's loosed, well, he's going to lead a rebellion. Uh, so it tells us that the, the a rebellion will be raised up by, by Satan and uh, Christ will crush that rebellion with the word of his mouth and then they'll then we'll go into the great white throne judgment and the angels and the or the demons and those who have rebelled against Christ 
will all be judged and cast into hell permanently. Eternal hell, which we'll also cover eventually.